Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. It's episode 55 and this week continues the series. I think we call it that now because we particularly have been focusing and are focusing over this week and next week on reshaping our health habits and to support those habits so they can support our health ambitions and goals. So last week I explored the power of our life and work zones and actually come to think of it, I never even touched on how we can design our zones to support or encourage or remove friction in order to be more active. I focus more on, well, entirely on food and eating choices and that kind of thing. Now, that's really important, but it is worth thinking about that. Just as an aside before we get into this episode, it's worth thinking about that from the perspective of you know, your activity goals, whether it's getting to the gym, walking, running. A dog is a classic example. Not that I'm recommending that you get a dog just for this. You know, a dog is for life, not just for reshaping your health. But it's a classic example of, you know, when we, you know, if if you introduce a dog into a family, um, then there is usually at least one person in the family that will see a dramatic increase in activity, i.e. walking a dog. Um, so that kind of thing is about the impact on your environment and actually the cues and the requirements for you to then change your behavior. And, you know, again, I'm not recommending a dog, but I think that's an important aspect of how do you shape your environment to support those activity goals. And I might do an episode focused on this aspect of zoning, in, in due, not the dog issue, but specifically but activity. Um, but for now, have a think about that. For example, how accessible is your wet weather clothing for, you know, if you're aiming to get out for a daily walk? You know, the weather's crap and suddenly you're thinking, have you got to dig the coat out, the boots, all that? But if they're there, there's one less bit of friction. So that kind of thing could be useful. Anyway, on to the episode topic today and that of narratives, the narratives that support or undermine our health ambitions. We'll get into that. But first, don't forget to jump over to restlessmidlifer.com and check out the Academy membership and my six-week reshape accelerator program and that's focused on getting your health back on track setting lifelong habits and developing that so that we can have a more fulfilling and adventurous life you can also subscribe to the podcast leave a review which i'd love if you did uh, and sign up to receive the restless midlifer chronicles which is weekly news updates tips tools and strategies and which can all de uh, devise to help you regroup reshape and redesign your own midlife adventure <music> As I regularly seek to explore in these podcast episodes, what we say about ourselves, about others, about the world, about how we interact, about how it should be, I should be, you should be, things should be, all of those things. What we say in our minds, the narratives, the stories is critical, not just to how we enjoy life, but in how we either move to or away from our goals. So the narratives are the stories that we craft around our underlying beliefs, values, and there are some mini scripts within that about specific situations and experience as well. So these stories, they're, they're really there to support our navigation through life and our days. They're not specifically there to make us happy. And in fact, we can be thoroughly miserable and they're still doing their job as they see it. I'm giving it a, a consciousness of its own here, so you know, just go with this for a minute. Their job, as they see it, is to keep us safe, however it defines safety or however safety is defined in that particular, um, from that perspective. These stories are their way or our way of interpreting life 
the events, the interactions, the motives, and the effort we put into it. You know, why bother? Or this is worth doing, that's not worth doing. These narratives form, I guess, the story and the arc of our lives. So how does that relate to help? Well, firstly, I guess, if as many of us, we can be engrossed and distracted and even stressed out by life and the work demands. And we can, at the very least, find our lives dominated by narratives that relate to those things rather than particularly being aware or focused on our health narratives. So, for example, one might, yeah, yeah, I don't know, you might just be, you know, just trying to get through your day or, you know, let's just get through this week or it'll be better when, when I pay off that debt, get promoted, retire, win the lottery, you know, those kinds of focuses um or we're simply coping and getting by and what that actually means is that those the narratives that help us interpret cope and get through are focused predominantly on that if not entirely on that and we don't pay attention to and especially positively nurture anything around our health or if we do it's a fleeting glimpse or we don't pay a lot of attention and we know it's there but we need we'll I'll get to that you know it'll be better when you know I'll do that when and because of that because our attention is absent on the stories one we don't notice the the tone or the the type of stories we're telling ourselves, but two, we don't work to nurture and maintain the ones that are moving us in a direction in terms of our health, the direction we want to go. And it's that old before you know it phenomenon. Before you know it, you've had years of full on life, lots of demands, and we've totally taken our eye off the health ball. And we've totally taken our eye off um, those narratives. And those narratives have been subordinated effectively and just sort of sidelined or put in the back, back room to gather dust whilst other narratives that are seen as a priority to help us get through to achieve the priorities that we see at that time take over. And I think that's the thing, because one thing's for sure, and I hope it was clear from the last week's episode when we are talking about the, the automatic nature of life, the cues of our environment, our context, and all of the challenges that are there to move us in the direction of consuming, uh, improving our comfort levels, you know, reducing our activity, those kinds of things that's that's kind of almost the default of the world out there. So that if we aren't cued into the the health narratives, then there is no proactive work taking place. The default is go with those, the consuming, the finding comfort, coping ways that aren't necessarily the best for our health. So not having an eye on our health and um, these three elements in particular, not, you know, you're rezoning, the re-narrating, and also building the routines and rituals and habits, um, it's it means that they don't get the attention and they don't adapt with the challenges and the times. And that's why we're focusing over this series on this, really. So if you look at episodes 51, 53, 54, 55 is that, um, sorry, 54 is with Mark Telford where he talks about batching, which is tied in, 55 and 57, possibly 59, uh, episode 59 coming up as well. So if we don't do that, we can lead, it can lead to cumulative negative consequences. And it's the cumulative nature of them because one-offs, rarely have an impact unless it's the one-off that is the tipping point. It's the cumulative nature, isn't it? So that's the first thing. Not having an awareness or focus on our narratives or which ones dominate and distractive us can be um, really uh, a problematic thing. The second thing is then that we need to become aware of the stories and the scripts. 
And just an aside, by scripts, I mean those mini thought routines that can be triggered by something, you know, an event, an experience, an interaction, that kind of thing. So an example might be driving home after a long day and seeing that big sky sign um, for a certain fast food outlet. And that triggers the a thought loop, a script. Ah, you know, I've, you've worked hard today. You're tired. Why not craft something and take it in? You can't be asked anyway to make something. So I'll probably end up getting a takeaway, which is worse. So why not just get, get something now? And that script is triggered, but then triggers a series of behaviors. It's quick, it's dirty, and before you know it, you're receiving the food from the person at the window and looking forward to getting home. You may even dig in and grab a few chips on the way before you even drive off. So scripts here are routines and subroutines that can undermine your goals, but they can be indicative of the bigger narratives and often are. And this means we have opportunities, opportunities as I'll suggest later. But if you want to dig a little bit more into scripts and, and schemas, then episode 12 with Dr. Simon Raybould is somewhere where we explore that a, a little bit more. But if you think about it, the narratives, the stories is the arc. It's almost like if you imagine a book, there is a... Um, there is a genre, tragedy, comedy, rom-com, you know, crime, all those things. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the, the, the genre of your life, but, you know, there are genres. And then within that, we have a plot, we have different characters, and we have the narratives that run through that to help unravel the story, introduce the characters and take them on a journey. That's effectively how we operate. That's one of the reasons why story has been, in terms of human evolution, such a crucial and critical theme and part of life it's how we shared knowledge it's how we shared memories and dangers and and it's just a key way of learning and 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 growing and, and making sense of the world it's what we do so it's inherent in our nature so that narratives is the bigger arc you know the narratives around our life and direction who am i my identity my values and beliefs tie into that and that's what shapes that narrative and i guess this is the thing because what we need to do is before I get into some tips about how we might re-narrate, and this is this is not something that I'm saying you can quickly easily fix. It's a, it's a time and work in progress, just like reshaping our our food zones, environments, and our habits. You know, it's a long-term, lifelong process. We're all a work in progress. If we're living and breathing, there's work to do. A quick update: the Restless Midlifer Academy is now open, and I'm also running a series of six-week reshape accelerator programs aimed at getting your health, weight, and self-confidence back on track. Head over to restlessmidlifer.com to check out the programs. But the point is, what we need to do before we can start to re-narrate, shift those narratives to something that supports our goals rather than getting in the way, is to be aware of them. So how do we do this? And this is something that, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with over the years, tuning into, studying as part of my own master's uh, in the coaching and mentoring field. I really love and really fascinated with it. And there's some great research. But it's then how do I translate it? How do we translate this into understanding for us and what it means in my life and my life as it is? What do you mean stories, Dave? And this is where it gets, it gets to be a combination of trying to give you some illustrations, but also allowing time. So what I'm going to encourage you to do is to allow, is to encourage you to go away and reflect and notice things. But I'm going to give you a few questions to chuck at you. Where we tend to notice our narratives, or where our narratives can be come surface and become apparent if we allow ourselves to give it some thought, are around those emotional times, peak emotional times, positive and negative. Um, challenging times, stressful times, um, when we see something in somebody else that really we admire or we really get our gold. That kind of thing can surface some of these narratives that perhaps we 
don't ordinarily pay attention to. So just a, a few questions to think about uh, as we go forward is, ask yourself, So, firstly, do, uh, can you spot any of these narratives as you go? Um, what are the things that you fear? What are some of the fears that you have around life, work? Um, just speaking recently to somebody who, when we were talking about particularly weight, it was that it, it seemed to be tied. Now, I don't want to diagnose and I don't want to tie it into, but there seemed to be a relation to past hurts, past letdowns and betrayals in relationships. And there was almost a, a, a protection and a comfort in that I'm okay now. I don't have to, um, you know, if I do this, it might be bringing myself back into life and um, exposing myself to those things. And it'll go wrong anyway. So that catastrophizing, that expecting catastrophe. And actually, that's something that I kind of have as a recurring story is that it's going to go wrong at some point. It's going it's going too well here. What's going to go wrong? Something's going to go wrong. That narrative, that, that repeated story, if you like, is something I have learned to be aware of and have to manage because, you know, life generally goes more right than wrong for most of us. You know, we all have those periods, but if that's a case, how can we manage it so we're not tormenting ourselves with a story like that? So what are your fears? What frustrates you? What do you get angry about? And sometimes this is worth thinking, what do you get really angry about? Um, what gets your blood boiling? What really upsets you? Um, what stops you in your tracks? Um, what freezes you? What leads you to procrastinate? What's, what, are you, what stresses you out? Um, and what are you saying to yourself prior to making some of these choices around, say, you know, a visit to the takeaway or making those? What what are some of the, the the things that you're saying to yourself after an event, before an event, a lead up to an event in anticipation of something that's challenging? So those I've chucked a lot of questions. So you might want to rerun the, the podcast. But these are the kinds of things I would be exploring in myself and my own reflective practice, but also with people I work with. And it might surface stories. And again, it's about what are the types of stories? Is it, I'm too old too? You know, as midlifers, we might have let our health go and we think, you know, like, yeah, I see I see yeah, such and such doing CrossFit or doing a run. I'm too old to do that. My joints, I kind of run, you know, all of these things. Or I don't have time to. Or I don't have any enough, enough time to get this done. And time is running out, which can add a deadline and additional pressure, as I talked to in last week's episode. Or the, the 51, I think it was. It'll be better when, you know, like, you know, it's fine. I'll just get through this. It'll be better when I get promoted or pay off that debt or move house. Um, and then there'll be another, it'll be better when, and another, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not worthy, or if only I could, or it's all right for you, or it's all right for them. They can, because that's another story, because it's a way of justifying where we are now. So those are just some examples. It's by no means exhausted. It's just something to think about as we go forward. So in that respect, then, I always like to think about, well, what can we do with, with all of that? So firstly, the reflective aspect of it is having a think, give yourself a little bit of space and just catch yourself in the act of it. Um, and I think that is the first thing. Catch yourself in the act of um, telling these stories and start to get familiar with them. And this is where a couple of things I think can be useful. One is the scripts, the mini things. You know, that example that I gave about the takeaway drive through thing before is catch that in the act. Um, and then have a plan in place to delay. What can I do to delay? How do I buy myself time? Okay, so that drive-through example might be, let's just get home. Let's just get home. I can always order a takeaway, a delivery if I need to, but let's just get home. So you kind of have a counter narrative ready and in your back pocket almost for that. It may not be, and it's not likely to be foolproof. And it may be, oh, stuff that I'm just going to go. Permission to be human. 
it, nothing is foolproof or bulletproof, but have those narratives for the little scripts to counter them. Once you spot them, you can develop some counter narratives. Then look at maybe distraction can be an alternative, you know, getting on with something else. I'm a classic for that, you know, in terms of my operation team, part of mine is time-restricted eating. I know that if I've got a day where I haven't got a lot of intense focus work, maybe it's just do a few bits of emails here, there, a bit of creative work, then the biscuit tin shouts. I need a diversion and a distraction. Then partly as well with that is once you delay is then reconnect with your goal. Just remind yourself, what is the bigger picture? Is this moving me in, in the direction of goal? Again, not foolproof and it may not land right, but don't worry about it. It's just chucking that in. And then have a diversion of some sort, potentially, a positive alternative, a desirable positive alternative. So what is an alternative ready, low friction alternative to get you into something else. So this is where the, the interview with Mark Telford where he talks about food uh, batching and prepping can be really useful to apply that into it. So what are the weak points in my day? Getting a getting a big sandwich packet of crisps and something from, from the local shop on my lunchtime or something like that. Okay, that, right. How do I firstly divert, distract, um, create a bit of delay, but how do I have an alternative already made with some batching in place? That kind of thing. So there's that in right, those mini scripts, but then there is our big narratives because they're more challenged, they're more embedded and can be really challenging. And this is where I learned from um, uh, my work around this, but you'll find it also in an interview with, and if you just bear with me, I'll check, um, with um, Andrew Scott, episode 58, where we talk about his book, Shifting Stories, and he talks about how, how we can shift these stories, re-narrate them. And um, I love his approach, because firstly, the first tip I would say is, don't identify with your narrative. Separate, you are not your story, you are not your narrative. It is very important, it's very easy to get wrapped up and become identified with your narrative. Yes, your narrative is shaped by your values, your beliefs, etc. but separate them out. You are not your narrative you are capable of rewriting or writing a new story. If you imagine as a book, you're on chapter 10 now of your life, you can write chapter 11, you can write chapter 12. How and what we do in that is a slightly, you know, there's more elements to it, but you are in charge, you are not your story. So that idea of detach and, and treat your story as something separate, then get playful. One of the things I love with clients, if we get into this, is once we detach and we see it as not ourselves and we have less personal involvement, is we can have fun, we can have a giggle, we can laugh at the silliness sometimes of our narratives. And I've done it myself, I do it for myself, I do it over this podcast when I talk about all or nothing. But re-narrate it by playing. Get playful. See it, as, see it and see what it is as it is, have a laugh, have a giggle, whatever, be compassionate in that, but then look for alternatives and look at how we can shift that. And this is where the key thing is, this takes a bit of work, but it's not about making a big shift from here to the perfect narrative. It's about moving in a direction. If you imagine a book, you're on chapter 10, chapter 23 is the final finale. You're not going to skip the missing middle chapters. We've got to wend our way there. And it's got to be a believable direction of travel and narrative. So your narratives need to be convincing they need to be believable but moving you in the right direction and this is where i have a problem with things like aff affirmations you know the, the, i know that some people who say the more you say it the more you'll end up believing it i'm not convinced i don't think the science is particularly supporting that it actually supports the other that if you deeply believe the counter you're going to reinforce the underlying belief so it's about picking things that you can believe and work with and play with 
over time and move forward. And that can be so empowering. So there's a lot there. I appreciate it. I've talked about a lot there. Ultimately, be give yourself permission to be human. Be compassionate with yourself. Think about the stories and how you can challenge and change them. And let me know any thoughts, Dave, at restlessmidlifer.com. Take care. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links, and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, for, and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier, and more meaningful midlife. Go re-adventure.